And being a great friend that Knock Nolan is, prior to us interviewing any of them, uh, probably even before having the show, he came to my birthday party one night and he hands me a, a thin little uh, paper bag and I go in there and I'm like, oh, wow, the outsiders in, in paperback. Uh, cool. And I was, you know, I was, this is where, I, again, I'm being a little sarcastic and a little serious. I was like, <laughs> wow, you spared no, you, you spared no expense. You got me the, the modern paperback version that, you know, the $4 copy of Hey, thanks pal. And he's like, open it up wise guy. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I open it up. And it said to my biggest fan, Danny boy from SC Hinton. And I almost oh. fell out of my chair and I'm like, Jimmy, how the fuck did you get the, and he's That's like, dude, lovely. long story. Welcome back to the Well Man Podcast. This is O'Malley, California girl in New England, and my co-host, St. Anne, New York, New Jersey girl. This week, we talk with Danny Boy O'Connor in depth about The Outsider's House, a location within the movie of The Outsiders based on S.E. Hinton's book. We talk about his other passion projects and his love of pop culture locations, how he found The Outsider's House while on tour with his hip-hop group, La Coca Nostra, many years after founding the group House of Pain. His life journey, his move to Tulsa, Oklahoma has changed his life. Enjoy. Hi, Danny. Hey. This is O'Malley. And this is Annie. How are you? Good, good, good. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Because I have headphones on, so I just want to make sure it's kind of it's hard for me to tell. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's clear. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for doing this. I obviously have been a part of Delta Bravo page and following everything for quite some time now. And I was telling Annie about it she was just like this is incredible this is so like in the area that we want to kind of follow and so where did you live in new jersey before you moved to california so i never i, I lived in new jersey for the summers only i was born in brooklyn moved to staten island then at age six we moved to california and being that my mother was a single parent she needed help with two kids during the summer so she would send us back to Brick Township, uh, close to Seaside Heights. Sure, and I know. We would spend our summers on the boardwalk. If not partial uh, part of the time, we would go to uh, Atlantic Highlands to another goes over there by Long Branch. So both both towns had like a beach type of you know thing going on, and uh, it was easy for them to just kind of. I know it well. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great. It's a great way to spend summers. I tell you that. Yeah, no doubt. We had a great time, and you know, back then, especially, there was obviously no internet, and so anytime you could get dropped off on the boardwalk, and you know, have a couple of dollars in your pocket, play a few arcade games, run around eating pizzas and hot dogs, and you know, playing in the water. We used to actually, believe it or not, we used to surf in in, in New Jersey. There's a there's a surf shop still it's still in business called the uh, Ocean Hut, which is in Lava Lat. And we used yeah. to get uh we used to have surfboards and we'd surf coming from California it was weird to come to New Jersey to surf, but we did it. 
you know, despite jellyfish and, uh, and crabs in the water, we did it, but, uh, which you, you would not have in L.A. But uh, those are great times. Uh, I look back farming, uh, spending my summers in New Jersey. I bet. I'm a Jersey girl, so I'm all over that. I agree with you 100%. You <laughs> <laughs> If it wasn't on the boardwalk, we were hanging out at the local Wawa, you know, smoking cigarettes yeah, yeah. and <laughs> drinking you. Parking <laughs> lots were the best back then. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, we're just we younger did. than you, so we're definitely, definitely know what you're talking about when, when you're, when you bring up things. I grew up in. I'm from Northern California, but I grew up mostly in just south of of where you guys are or where you were. <laughs> you've <Okay>. moved <laughs> so. yeah so I'm in Tulsa, Oklahoma right now are you? I'm loving it mm-hmm. yeah so we actually have some your... some questions about that but we'll we'll dive right into like the Tulsa experience for you sure whatever you want to talk about I'm, I'm an open book okay <laughs> so tell us about this outsider's house I was I absolutely love the concept of it I, like what made you what motivated you to do that well, it wasn't something that I'd ever planned, I, I assure you that. Uh, and ironically enough, um, this is also where the Delta Bravo thing started for us. For oh, me. okay. Um, and so I'll tell you how that happened. So, again, growing up, I was born in New York, raised in Los Angeles. I uh, would go back every summer to New Jersey. And then, uh, oddly enough, my aunt was from Springfield, Missouri, and she grew up on a farm. And the only way out of the fa- to get off the farm was to join the army. So that's pretty much what uh, a lot of her family members did. And she met my uncle uh, back in the day in Brooklyn, and then she moved to New York. But when I would go back to uh, New Jersey for the summers, they would pick me up at uh, Newark in a, in, a, in a beautiful four-door station wagon, uh, 80s style, vacation style, and uh, we would continue to drive from Newark basically to Joplin, Missouri. And uh, early on, you know, we do this every summer, but I, I look back as, again, as some of the, the greatest memories of all time, and I kind of attribute it to my, um, my wanderlust or my, my adventurous, uh, you know, um, spirit because I, I have a lot of family members who did not partake in that and they don't seem to circulate at all so I don't you know I don't know where else it comes from but we used to have amazing times this is when you know Howard Johnson's was still safe fun <laughs> orange and and we would stay and we would just we would they my aunt and uncle actually collected um coffee grinders the old school ones that you you would uh you would hand turn they were in the coffee business where my uncle was so and they would love the antiques and you could get a lot of good antiques in New Jersey back in the day at flea markets but you could really get a lot of good ones when you're on the road, uh, you know, through Pennsylvania Dutch country, all the way, you know, all the way out to, like I said, Missouri. There were just all kinds of antique stores and flea markets and thrift stores. And so we kind of spent our whole trip going to Missouri, doing that, and then same thing on the way coming back. And so I'd always had, like a, you know, a great experience, on, on, you know, on a on a road trip and so it's no wonder why you know music sometimes the road is tough for people i've seen uh, way better bands than us have had members that just didn't like being on the road it was almost like a, a you know a necessary evil i couldn't wait to get out on the road when we started making music um so 
that that part has always been there. But then, so we make a band, sell a million records, everything is great. And then a few years later, it starts to fall apart. Um, we kind of start to grow apart, and the band just kind of fizzles out. And one guy goes on to, you know, make a good solo record. The other guy, our DJ, goes on to Limp Biscuit and probably sold, I don't know, what the, the, the obscene amount of records they sold. Right. And I went on to uh, develop a drug habit. And so basically threw myself maybe like a four to six year pity party. Uh, not sure what to do. It's kind of hard to, you know, uh, I was an egomaniac with low self-esteem, if you can imagine. And so you put that, you know, I was too, I was, I was too cool to work at Starbucks and in my mind too stupid to work the cash register anyway. So there was no, there was no hope for me. So it took a long time for me to get the right size and get myself together and, and, and to, you know, to get a hold of myself. And so I went through that whole experience and then I thought, well, maybe I'll dabble in music again. I put another group together called La Copa Nostra, which was a couple of other bands that were like uh, fractured or, or a few solo artists that were looking to be in bands. And we were trying to bring back uh, a style of hip hop that was kind of missing from the landscape at the time, which was like real hardcore hip hop. And then the other guy from House of Pain Everlast decided to join us. So that was the thing. And on that first tour, it had been the first time I'd been on the road in about a decade. Well, not about, technically in a decade, I hadn't been anywhere except for, you know, living couch to couch as a drug addict. So we get out on the road and, uh, you know, you look at the, you look at the touring a bit different than you, it, 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 a decade later with sober eyes. It's like a whole new experience. And, uh, I bet. Well, everybody on the, uh, well, everybody else on the tour was, uh, you know, doing what they always do, which is fine, which is just basically, you know, smoking a few J's and, and having a few drinks and, and, and doing music that wasn't going to work for me. So I was kind of alone on that, if you will, but I was highly caffeinated. I just <laughs> bought a new camera and I figured I'm going to use this tour bus as my, like, you know, to window shop the world again and, uh, you know, do, doing a little exploring. And it was faithfully enough in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I realized that the outsiders, one of my favorite movies of all time was filmed. And so we had three days off here and I used those days wisely. And I, and I ended up, uh, hiring a, a, you know, a, a car service to take me around. And uh, after going on the internet and finding what little information I could, again, this is 2009, I'm going back to, and uh, right. there wasn't a lot of information back then on any of any movie location sites or any of that kind of stuff. Um, there were, however, a few liquor accounts, uh, 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 but most of the most of the people who were doing any kind of like movie location before and after stuff, they were they were not sharing the addresses or anything like that. There was very little out there, and then any there was one or two accounts that would be like, here's the oh I don't know here's the store that was featured in Clerks, you know. Mm -hmm. They would never list the address, and so you kind of really had to dig deep or know you know know a little bit more. It just wasn't ready readily available, so. When I look up The Outsiders, there was a site online called the uh, Tulsa TV Memories, and they did say where the driving from the movie The Outsiders was, and they did say that the park was in the Crutchfield neighborhood, and so I was able to look both of those up and to find both of those locations. And by finding the park, I was able to find the house, which is in eyeshot of that park. Um, 
You haven't seen the movie or read the book, you have no idea what I'm talking about. No, we, we both have. For your listeners, I apologize. It, it, it's kind of like inside baseball if you, don't, if you haven't seen it. So, but if you well, have it's seen on it, HBO right that, now. So right, there you go. It. And you, you have to understand that the movie takes place in, in, a, in the north side of Tulsa. And Coppola, who directed the movie and uh, you know, it was based on a book by S.C. Hinton, he was he wanted to be true to the whole spirit of the thing and so he came from hollywood to do the movie in her hometown where she wrote about it and so he really he really took over a whole uh uh a whole part of tulsa a neighborhood that was uh perfect for filming and with the the same neighborhood she was writing about so i was able to find the house uh my plan was just one my mind was blown because it was the first time i'd ever i mean i couldn't believe that it was still on earth that the house was still there the park was still there uh that the drive-in looked just like it did in the movie it was kind of like tulsa was the the land that time forgot and then uh 2009 was a it was a uh i don't want to say weird year but it was a it was a unique year in the sense that it was like the first time that we had like a computer in the palm of our hands. Um, I had a Blackberry. We had like a one point something megapixel camera. I had a laptop. We had a, we had a tour bus that actually had Wi-Fi, which was a whole new, you know, like a luxury uh, uh, experience. Wow, and it was fancy. And I mean, listen, it's, it's funny it how, how, how we all kind of forget how, how big time that was back then. Oh, and there was yeah. a new thing called Facebook. The MySpace was already a thing. But Facebook right. was more like a, for college kids. It really didn't become in in a in a public in a in a national conversation until the tragedy at the Virginia Tech happened, where uh, a guy came on and shooted uh, shot people up on campus. Right. The students were communicating via Facebook on which way to go and to stay away from this section. And but at the right. same time, uh, I was posting on on locations, and I posted the Outsiders House on there. And uh, I also played Kane's Ballroom, which is like the CBGBs of the Midwest. It's like a historic uh, uh, venue where anybody who's anybody has played here before. Uh, all your favorite acts, have, have, it's a rite of passage to play it, if you will. And the guy said, hey, your manager told me you're friends with uh, Steve Johnson, the Sex Pistols. His buddy did us the honor in 78 and punched a hole in the wall. In the dressing room, Sid Vicious did that, and we cut it out. We remodeled and we put it in our office in the frame. And I was like, "Wow!" So, I took a photo of the Sex Pistols hole, and I took a <laughs> photo of the outsider's house. And the rest is history. I got so many like likes on that post. It was the first time like I'd ever got like over twenty likes on anything. I mean, we uh, took, like that's you know, so funny. People were stingy back in the days when, when the social media first started happening. People were so scared to put like and they felt like they were committing to some like you know something way bigger than than it really was so people were just like going ape for this you know i don't I want to curse but you understand oh we, we swear going, all the time oh okay so they're yeah, going yeah, yeah. shit for this thing <laughs> and uh and i was like you know i'm a glutton for that too i'm like listen it's 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 it's, it's checking in the box on all the things i like uh travel pop culture history, music history, and high fives. I'm like, this is cool. So I'm gonna keep using this tour bus as my vehicle or, or the conduit to go wherever we go. And so really the Delta Bravo thing started there. I just, I'm a good, I, I'm, I'm known for 
finding a doorknob and saying, this is this and let me build a house around it. And so that was my proverbial doorknob. I was like uh, Danny Boyd, Delta Bravo, <laughs> Urban Exploration Team. And that's really how it started. And so <laughs> never thinking that years later I would, I would end up buying my house. So when I got to the house too, it was also for sale for 40 grand. And coming from Beverly Hills, California at the time, as you know, where any coming from New York, New Jersey, LA, anywhere on the coastal cities, nothing with the word real attached to it can be had for forty grand. So <laughs> I was shocked that you could somebody could own the house from the outside for for forty grand. It just didn't make sense to me. And I thought, what a shame that this thing is kind of just sitting here, wasting away when it's it's a national treasure in my you know in my book. And so. Yeah, I was I was very interested in it, but I was also sober enough to know that this could be trouble. And, and when I say that, I still, with all due respect to jumping into things foolishly based on <laughs> you know coming of age movie. Like I had no business buying a fort in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that happened to be the film site of my favorite movie. So I, I kind of pulled the hook out of my mouth and slowly backed away. And uh, on that tour, I, I think the next stop was like Dallas, and I may have hit the, the Grassy Knoll, uh, you know, the JFK site. Sure, yeah. After that, we went to uh, Minneapolis, and as a child of the 70s, uh, my mother loved uh, Mary Tyler Moore, and so did I. And so I went oh, to yeah. the area where they had filmed the opening where she throws her hat at the end, yeah. and I went to <laughs> the, the house that she lived. And people were like, this is super cool. And then I started meeting people, and I met, you know, it was a wide swath of people. I started this time. I met Marco Nolan, really. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, That's my buddy. Mutual friend. <laughs> and so I met, I met cops. I met firemen. I met artists, photographers, uh, mechanics. I mean, it just, it's a, everybody agrees that we all love pop culture. And we all, if you grew up in 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. you, you know, we were raised this way. And, uh, so there's, it's the common thread. I mean, we all like Happy Days. I mean, we all like, uh, you know, the Brady Bunch. We all like whatever. We all kind of agree that we like these American classics. And so I just kept doing it. I figured it was a great hobby. You know, it was, again, a first time in history that if one of us had a cell phone, we had everything. You uh, could record video. You could take photos. You could broadcast because now Facebook, Twitter, uh, MySpace and you know twenty other things now are your literal literal TV station or or radio station if you will right. right. Um, if you need a navigation, no problem. It's, your phone will get navigate you through anywhere on the planet. <laughs> and if you needed to go to the library to look it up, say no more. You just tell Siri or you type it into Google, and all of this can be had while sitting in the back seat of a van if you have a cell phone, Absolutely. if you have a smartphone. All right. And so this is a this is a very unique time in history. And I thought this is fantastic. The buy-in to this is like cheaper than when I played ice hockey at the age of thirteen. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, it really is. It's like you don't have you don't need and you don't even have to own the phone, you just have to be around someone who does and wants to help, you know, look for these locations. And so I I was just hooked on that. And so again and uh I like mashing the before and afters together. And I like, you know, finding things that nobody had found yet and uh, seeing people's reaction. Now, I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and said, dude, I've lived on that block 20 years. I passed it every day. I had no idea that's the house from, you know, insert 
favorite film or favorite TV show or whatever, you know? And, Absolutely, uh, yeah. I've, I've also found that when I go to those locations, I meet people who originally at first sight are like, how can I help you? And then when you tell them that you're there because of, you know, X, Y, and Z, they've been waiting their whole life to talk to somebody else who loves it as much as you oh, do so and as much as they do. <laughs> and they're like, dude, you know what? Nobody ever asked about that, but let me tell you, you know, about that. And so oh, that. you meet these, you meet these kind of, you know, these kindred spirits that are like, man, this is how, why I took the job. So for instance, when I went to uh, Van Nuys High School, which was literally in my area of operation, if you will, my whole life, uh, we finally got a hold of the janitor because the rules for doing um, urban exploring, especially if you're male, six foot six and wear dark colors, is no pools and no schools. And I will tell you why later, but it's pretty obvious. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you know, you don't want to be taking photos out front of schools or out front of pools. And so in order to get access to some of these things, we were like, hmm, let's call the janitor or let's call, you know, someone who has access to these things that is supposed to be there. Anyway, the janitor from the Fast Times at Ridgemont High School, he says, dude, this is really the reason I took this, this gig, because I knew my favorite movie was filmed here at, at this school. Uh, and I've uh, been here now 25 years, which is, you know. Hey, whatever gets you in the door, you know. Yeah. So it's been a it's been a it's, it's been a slice of heaven. I met so many great people. I've been able to like do a bunch of these done challenge coins and pins and t-shirts and scarves and hats and beanies and you know uh, I've been all over the planet. I've met hundreds of people who love this thing. And for a while there, they were pitching it as a TV show, as a book, and you know a bunch of other stuff that never really came to fruition for, for different reasons. Most of them, you know, clearing the rights to do, you know, those I things. Awesome. But, uh, I love it. The concept is, the concept is just so much fun. And you could tell by the way you speak about it, how much you love it. Just the fact that you were excited yeah. about 20 likes is great. <laughs> no, of course. And it, you know what? I'll tell you what, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, again, there's no, uh, Really, all you have to do is have a good imagination and, and some free time. I love the fact that you don't need to, there's no high buy-in or there's no like, right. uh, you don't have to like earn like your spot. It's just like, dude, I like that too. I want to go, you know, I want to yeah. see it. And so now, I, you know, uh, you know, I try to tell people like, you know, we have access to, this is the first time in history that through a phone or through the internet, you have access to just about everything you ever wanted to see. Um, and so the new currency is actually going to see those physical locations and then taking the photo, then, then you put it online and that's where you get your, your, you know, your, your, whatever you get your, 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 your high fives that way or your, it's, it's, it's like currency for, you know, uh, everybody's a brand now, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately, it's like weird, you know, mm-hmm. and in order to keep your brand popping and people interested, you kind of, kind of, kind of feed it and you got to kind of like a bonsai tree, constantly maintaining it and curating right. it. And again, it, it, it cuts both ways. It's like, uh, you know, the biggest mistake you can make is to, to judge, you know, the way you feel inside by everybody else's outsides. And I, you're looking at when you're looking at Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever, you're looking at most people's highlight reels, you know? Exactly. Um, but it is really how we live through that lens, most of us now. But I figured, well, you know what? I love what we're doing. I love what I'm doing. And let's show the rest of the world that, hey, listen, it's out there. Go see it. So what we did different, even though there were one or two people doing similar uh, stuff on like uh, on smaller platforms, 
they were never giving the addresses up. And I thought, what a waste. Like, why would you dig and find this thing and then not share it with everybody else? So our thing was always to list where it was so that if you, all you had to do is see our post and I'd be like, ah, I had no idea it was over there. That's so cool. Thank you. And then they could go see it if they didn't want to, you know? I definitely, uh, I definitely, but what I love about what you're doing is that you're, it's like you developed your imagination in the backseat of a car and now you're showing it with no filters. Like, the world. I, yeah, no. Right? It's, and it's, so, that's really, I mean, that, it really was just like I said, it was just a, a fun, clean hobby. And, 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 it, and it was mostly done, you know, you know highly caffeinated and, and, and in the daytime hours. Don't get me wrong. I mean, 100%. I love and we've done so. We've done some weird stuff too. I mean, we went in the middle of like, you know, it was like, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night with a few, a few guys that were on, on the job on NYPD. We went into like Queensbridge, uh, Queensbridge projects to the top of the building to Nas's old, you know, apartment and, and on the rooftop, you know, live streaming. And, you know, we've had fun with it. You know, I've been up in the, in the helicopter doing it. I just uh, had, a, I had a buddy uh, a couple months back go into a place here called Sky Tooth Lake where we, we believe that the, the church uh, from the outsiders that was burning uh, and, and burnt down was then that whole area was flooded out and turned into Sky Tooth Lake. So I sent master divers down looking for the location. So, I mean, it's like we get high tech with it too, but it's also very simple if you just wanted to, you know, walk around, drive around, ride a, ride a whatever those little scooters they have. I mean, it's really sure. it's up to you. But uh, so it all started from the outsider's house, believe it or not. And then never thinking I would come back and double back and, and end up uh, making an offer to buy the house. But that's exactly what happened. So for the next five years, mainly me and Naka were driving the, you know, the brand of Delta Bravo. And um, right. for those of you listening at home, and Naka was a good friend of mine and, and of ours. So he's also a former NYPD and uh, current LAPD detective. Uh, I also early on I was always I was transpired to, to the Delta Bravo thing with uh, with Steve Mona, who's a retired NYPD uh, uh, transit cop. Really, he was uh, the Vandal Squad, the Vandal Squad, which is ironic on on a whole other level because I'm a, a, a graffiti <laughs> fan, and most of my friends were like you know legendary graffiti artists. So now you know, and then I guess it also comes with sobriety. I mean, when I first met Nop, I'm like, oh are you in the job? Like, what did I do in the past that you're looking for? I'll just help you out here. Just, you know, stop messing around. Tell me what you're looking for. I'll tell you if I did it or not. Cause I was like, why do you want to hang out with, you know, and he didn't know the band or any of that stuff. We kind of bought it over pop culture stuff over the internet. Where I was like, are you sure? At first I wasn't sure what was going on there, but, uh, you know, it's one of my, one of my best friends. And, uh, Again, if I'm thinking out loud, that's what I love about this is that, you know, it's people who wouldn't normally mix or run into each other, completely bonding over our love for pop culture, which is a truly American thing. It's a, I also like that fact about it. I think, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many school trips we went on to museums to see, you know, European master paintings and that those things never spoke to me. And I'm an artist. Right. I, I'm a visual artist. I'm a graphic artist. I'm a creative director. I, I and I, God bless those paintings and those, and those statues, but those, that, I don't, that's not so in my wheelhouse. Right. My first, uh, my first like, uh, idol was Fonzie. Yeah. And I want to be, <laughs> I want to be the Fonz. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Uh, and so I want to, I want to go, I want to see Zelda. I want to see his leather jacket, which Absolutely. I don't know if you yeah. know, but after the first season, they made him take the jacket off because it was too threatening. 
That's true. If you look back, he's only wearing a white T-shirt after that because they thought the jacket was too menacing and too hoodlum-like. And two juvenile Get out! That's so funny. Oh, crazy, right? Two <laughs> greaser, so, right? Yeah, and so it's a hundred percent. And so it's just again, I have I have a warm, fuzzy spot for pop culture. Now you know I'm part of pop culture just from you know music wise, and now the outsider's house. But it's one of those things that we look at as a as a as a as a culture as disposable, and I, and I and I beg to differ. You know, I, I think it, it, it's not disposable. And I think, especially if you were, you know, not everybody grew up in, in perfect households. And even if you did, I mean, you know, the, the ideal babysitter was to put you in front of the TV for hours. Sure. And so that's what, that's what really fed us and taught us. And movies like Fast Times. And ah, yes. Valley Girl and Breakfast Club. And, oh, this is where I learned, like, stuff that I was scared to ask anybody else with, for better or for worse, yes, it's like 100 percent by those things, you know. <laughs> right. And, I, and that's, that was my early appeal to hip hop. It was like the message, you know. Grandmaster Flash was telling me a message about what you know uh, the experience was in 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 the Bronx and in Harlem. You know, and I was like, I love the fact that it was more than music; that there was something deeper to it. Anyway, that's all a lot of stuff, and I love all of that stuff, but. It would take five years before I finally uh, ended up buying the Outsiders house. And it was through a series of every year wow. I would go back and forth on tour. And every year I would do a road trip or three, whether it was Beverly Hills to Graceland, Beverly Hills to Memphis, Beverly Hills to uh, Martha, Texas, wherever I would go. And I'd always be close enough or passing through Oklahoma. And I would always make a point to make pilgrimage How to cool is that? the house that started it all. And by year five, I noticed that the house was looking really bad and that the Habitat for Humanities, which I love what they do, and I always qualify that, but in, that, in this particular instance, they were coming through that neighborhood where the house was, and they were tearing all the houses down. And every time I'd come back, they were getting a block or two closer to the actual house. And my gut told me, this is not going to last. And if somebody doesn't do something, you come back next year, and it's going to be gone. And I oh, can imagine the world with the, without that house being in it. And a few things that also happened, there's a school from a movie called Over the Edge in Greeley, Colorado. It was also Matt Dillon's first movie. It's a really cool cult classic movie. Uh, it unfortunately predicts uh, Columbine by 20 years, or Columbine-ish kind of story. There was no, like, shootings, but they... they, but they like a perfect uh, little gated community, if you will, or a condo community uh, of uh, upper class uh, kids that end up like revolting against their parents and the teachers and they end up locking them in the school and burning it down. And it sounds terrible, but it was actually, it was a little bit lighter than that, but that is the end result. And it's Matt Dillon's first movie and Cheap Trick did the score. And it was like, it was one of those movies that, and it was also the impetus for Smells Like Teen Spirit for Kurt Cobain, who, again, it's one of these movies that came on late night uh, on TV, and you're like, what movie is this? And this is way before you could push on the button, and, and it would tell you all the information about what you were watching. It was like a late night cable. And so that school ended up getting torn down, and there was a few other things that I'm trying to think of what it was. But there were, there were, I, there were locations that we had found, and then a year later, we go back, and they were, they were gone. And I was like, this is terrible. 
the mall uh, location, uh, the, the food court in Valley Grove. One month, it's completely torn out of the mall and was gone. And so a lot of those things started to happen. And I thought, well, what's to stop the outsider's house from disappearing? Why doesn't somebody save this house? And uh, I asked the question enough times when the answer finally came back, why don't you save it? And so sometimes when you get those little intuitive voices, you kind of got to listen. So I started to, you know, stick my nose around and I met a guy who lived here and we started bothering the tenants (laughs) and we were able to get them to give up the owner's number. And then uh, we made a call. They threw out a number, we countered, and uh, the rest is history. That's great. Did you go, did you guys save anything else? Like, is the, um, like, is that big fountain still there? And, oh, did we lose him? I don't I know. I asked the question, I lose him. <laughs> you have to get him back. He's fantastic. I, I love talking to him. He's so, he's no. so engaging. I'm just riveted by what he's saying. What a cool guy. He's just so engaging. Like, yeah. I don't want to interrupt him. I don't want I, I don't want to interject because it's just so nice to listen to somebody be so enthusiastic about and passionate that they love. Yeah, I, he's hitting. It's as if and I didn't give it to him because I, you know, I wanted to go down and he's literally going right down everything that I wanted. Ah, I just like, it. well, he answered that, you know, and some of them I know. Yeah, but it's. It's good to, you know, not everyone will have my information about, right. about this and what I I've don't. watched, <laughs> right. Uh, what I've watched happen over, over time. So it's sort of like, oh, it's really great to hear it from him. Yeah. Um, I want him to get on his bus with the Wi-Fi and call back because he's so, I know. I just love listening to him. I know. I know. Hopefully. Uh, ooh, so did you I don't, text him? Yeah, I, I should. Oh, oh, good. Yeah, I texted him. Oh, here hello. It comes. Oh, oh hello. Hello. Uh, what happened? I, I knew it no got idea. quiet, but I was like, that was crazy. <laughs> you no. know, I, I have to tell you, you are, I was telling O'Malley that I felt, I asked her, I said, I'm sorry, I'm not asking any questions, but you are so interesting to listen to. Yeah. I, I'm sorry that I, I yeah, I'm a uh, <laughs> no, no, literally going down and filling in like all my okay. questions, which is hilarious that. That's so happening. where did I lose you at? What a, uh, you, I asked you if the if they the fountain is still there. Remember where they where they started drowning Pony Boy before Johnny killed him in the movie? Like I didn't know if if that was still. Uh, there. Uh, so that was built for the movie. It was never part of the park. It was built oh. on a foundation that has like you know where like the water comes from out of the ground and splashes up in sure. the you know. So that was built and it was torn down by the guy who built it, um, and we were able to find that guy. He gave he gave us the top of the fountain, which is the six cement uh, copings, if you will, sure. uh, from from that. Uh-huh. And his mother still has the center of the fountain, which is the urn, and she's ninety eight years old, and she's still planting flowers in the oh, middle of the day in her dresses. Oh. And when she, when I'm I'm assured when she when she's dearly departed, I can fight his wife over who gets to have that fountain. So we are looking to rebuild that and we are, we, we are in possession of most of the fountain. So that's the good news. Uh, and it's just a waiting game and I hope she lives to be 150 because the story is good too. <laughs> I think t- time is on our side. I, you know, no, no disrespect to his mother. So, so now would you, have you spoken to um, Francis Ford Coppola about this? Like why was it such a big passion project for him? Also, like, what is it that this um, you know, well, happened? so 
when I when I bought the house, I ended up so I bought the house sight unseen. I bought it for fifteen grand. I originally thought I stole it from the lady, and I still it's I did steal it. But when I when I thought I stole it, stole it. When I got to the house, I realized that she might have stolen something too. We were like we're, we were both stealing, and 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 I say that with all due respect. And I, you know, obviously, I'm being being facetious and being funny. We're good friends. I'm good friends with the owner, uh, the previous owner. We had just talked today about the opening, the grand opening, which we're trying to get locked down now. But the house was in tear down shape. Uh, but I also, being sober, and I'm going to re- reference that a lot because it's 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 everything to me. Otherwise. You know, none of this is, is possible. But being sober, I have to keep my my expectations to a minimum. Otherwise, my my uh, my my whole life gets out of balance because it, the higher the expectations, the lower my serenity. And so, if I expected that Tom Cruise was just going to magically pull up and give me a million dollars and say thank you, son, you what a great job you're doing, or Coppola was just going to put an endowment on me overnight, you know what I mean? I had to like mm-hmm. that would be great if any of those things happened. Um, the great thing that did happen immediately was, uh, the author, S.E. Hinton, uh, was on board. She to date is the largest donor to this project. Uh, second, uh, is Jack White, the, 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 the musician and also, you know, a uh, great supporter of the many good causes. And, uh, you know, we, we've, we've, we've independently raised enough money to, to get it done, um, it's taken three years. It was way harder than I ever imagined to do what we've done. Uh, when I say we've, I haven't, I don't ever want anybody to think that, uh, I did anything. I just bought the house and thought it would be a shame if it wasn't on earth anymore. And then I realized how bad, uh, the condition of the house was and freaked out and then thought, well, shit, if I'm going to ask people to help me save this thing, it can't be Danny's greaser fort you know, uh, a la, you know, my man cave, uh, Midwest, it has to be a museum. Uh, originally I, I figured it would be a great movie museum, kind of like the Christmas story has a, is a movie museum. Right. And then I thought, you know what, um, after seeing how many kids with, uh, that are in seventh grade coming with their family in tow are equally as impressed, if not more, uh, you know, smitten with the whole thing. And then I thought, well, this is a really great educational tool as well, you know, and, and, and it's really a, a beacon of hope. I mean, I don't know how much you know about the author, but the author is still alive and well. She lives here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm going to tell you she's 71, perhaps 72. She's amazing. She wrote the book when <laughs> she was 15 years old. It's amazing. The book, she was, it was, she wrote it in, 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 and it was published in 67 when she got to the uh, publishing company, they, they both agreed that they'd call her Essie Hinton instead of Susan Eloise because they didn't want to scare boys off from reading this book. The book just celebrated 51 years this year. It has never been out of print. It sold more last year on the 50th than I think all the years combined, or if not all the years combined, at least, you know, any calendar year, the 50th sold more than ever. Uh, it was turned into a movie in 82 by Francis Ford Coppola uh, on the request of a librarian from Fresno, California, and 100 of her students who wrote him a letter suggesting that he take a look about this book and turn it into a movie. He not only fell in love with S.C. Hinton's work, uh, he bought The Outsiders and then followed up with Rumblefish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the casting agent, Fred Roos, and his producer as well uh, cast this thing and basically created the Brat Pack by default by casting all of those uh, great yeah. stars. Yeah. 
And nobody forgets where they were in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when Coppola and gang came to town. So oh while, you know, it, it, it's kind of akin to uh, when we landed on the moon, although none of us were alive when that happened. I remember as a kid, clearly everybody remembering where Kennedy was, where, where they were when Kennedy was shot or where the, your parents were when we landed on the moon. And so if you come to Tulsa, uh, you, you believe me when I tell you, if you're interested in the outsiders, you have to look no further than the person walking on the street next to you to ask them, Hey, what do you know about this? And they will definitely tell you the, 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 everything they know. And usually it's a lot because they grew up, you know, either hearing the stories or living the stories themselves. And, uh, just a wonderful, wonderful, um, you know, slice of, uh, of history. And, 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 so many different ones. And what I mean is that, you know, it's the first time by, by her writing and publishing that book, um, getting that book published, she starts a category. So it's the first time in American or in world history, let's never mind American history, that a, a, a kid writes a book about kids for kids. And it create it's, it's the start of the young adult category uh, in literature. And, uh, so that it, on its face is impressive as it is. The fact that she wrote it at, at 15 and was failing out of English and got a D plus in creative writing also impressive to me because if she was a straight A Mensa student on the, on the valedictorians Dean list or whatever, all that good stuff is, I wouldn't have been so impressed by it because that's what valedictorian straight A students do. They write, you know, great books, but she was not, uh, in that, position and she wrote that really under duress and then the stresses of being 15 and trying to figure out you know what it's all about and then she followed it up with rumblefish five years later and and just there's so many like little nuggets that keep me going with this thing and so i uh you know i never get tired of uh of of you know digging through the, the, the legacy, uh, Francis Ford Coppola is also one of my favorite directors. So it's crazy that, you know, that, that librarian, when I finally asked her like, why, uh, why on earth of all the directors on the landscape in, in 81 or 82, when you're 81, when you wrote the letter, did you choose Francis Ford Coppola, director of the Godfather and, and, and right. apocalypse now? And she said, Danny, he did. He was so true to the book when he when he turned Black uh, Black Stallion into a movie that I knew he'd do a wonderful job with the outsiders. Now, the irony in that is that he did do a wonderful job staying true to the book when he filmed the outsiders. But when they turned it into Warner Brothers, they did not like the movie. They thought it to be a gone with the wind for 82. And they did not uh, appreciate him making a a movie that looked like that. And so they told him to re-edit and make sure that Matt Dillon looks like, you know, make sure they make it into a nice Matt Dillon piece because to them, he was the clear breakaway star. And so the movie, if you read the book first, you'll, you'll notice that the movie is not uh, chronologically true to the, to the book. And it was at the dismay of uh, a lot of avid readers uh, and seventh graders who were maybe a bit disappointed that it, the movie didn't make sense uh, mm-hmm. in the same way that the book did. Now I had, I was lucky enough to despise reading as a kid and maybe a little bit still today in the sense I don't despise it, but I just, listen, it's not something that if I could see the movie, you could, if I could see the documentary over the movie, you can, I can assure you, I'm not going to read it if I have the option to see it first. But that being said, I've read the book, I've read her books and I, I understand now, uh, why people could, you know, easily be upset that the, the, the original cut was the way it was. Now, that being said, also, in 2005, Coppola goes back uh, 
after his granddaughter, his great granddaughter says, you know, she was the final straw. She said, granddad, why is the, why is the movie and the book so much different? And he said, that's it. And he went back and he, 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 uh, he, he re-edited the film and added 22, uh, yeah. edit, you know, minutes to it. And that's called the complete novel. And you see a lot more, it, it, it basically chronologically follows the, the, the path that the book, uh, did. And that was originally how he wanted to edit it, but Warner brothers was not having it. So well, that, that was that. one of the things that that happened to you when you originally saw the movie. If I rem- if I'm remembering right, that you saw it with right. a friend, and he did the classic. I mean, we it's yep. almost like a meme now, but the book was better. Of course, the better, right? And that right. was literally the first time I'd heard that. And I also remember thinking, like, how dare you read at seventh grade? Like, you know, it's it's not it's not good enough that you're like one of the cooler students and a, and a better looking dude. You know, all, he was like your classic like all American guy. And I was like, and you read too, dude, seriously. Like I, could, I was like, Oh, of course you do. And yeah. of course you, you'll find, you know, like uh, a reason to, uh, I just thought he was just trying to be, you know, super cool, but he was right. And, and I've, you know, the, you, you'll hear it often. Like, I don't understand the diff, why it was so different. And, and so now, you know, uh, exactly. again, and, and then uh, another thing that shocks people here when I tell them, um, like, uh, you know, this movie was a flop in, in the sense of, uh, box office. So most of our favorite movies, and not, I won't say most of us, a lot of mine, uh, like I said, the Over the Edge or Fast Times at Ridgemont High, or those didn't do any numbers at the box office. They were low budget uh, in the in the in the grand scheme, and they they stayed in the, the box. They stayed at the theater for about a month, but they did find their home and they found cult status uh, on VHS and, oh, and through and through cable and absolutely. stuff like that. So. While I was sitting in New Jersey when I watched E.T., which was a massive phenomenon and, I mean, went out of the stratosphere, no pun intended, uh, I saw the trailer for Fast Times at Ridgemont High while sitting in a movie theater in New Jersey, and I said, that's where I live, that's where I'm from, that's where I'm from, California. And they were like, shut up, shut up, kid. And literally, that mall, that mall was, you know, five miles away from my house. So when I saw Fast Times, I was like watching the neighborhood I was growing up in and all the characters that reside in it were, you know, uh, literally there was one of every one of them in fast times at Ridgemont high. People look back and they can't believe that that was a flop, but it was a total flop. It was a million dollar budget. It stayed in the movie, uh, in the theater for about a month and they pulled it. And then we find it on VHS and then we take it home for a week and, and the rest is history. So. I love the fact that you that you love all of these same things, and it's definitely our age group. But you loved it so much to to step away from outsiders, uh, but to do like Delta Bravo talk. Uh, that brought you to meeting, uh, you know, who everyone will know as uh, Mike Damone. Um, yes, that's that one of my favorite humans. Uh, a, a favorite yeah one of your you know people that you yeah, so, all, so we we used to do a podcast based on the delta bravo thing and it was a way for, oh. it was a way for us to really meet all the all of our heroes and all of our favorite uh characters radio, in all of these movies t radio v yeah, was that t radio v yeah. was the station I in la it. and i i went on somebody else's show uh, uh, a good friend of ours now uh lenora claire and uh, Dave Navarro and another friend, Billy Morrison, had a show on it as well. And as soon as, you know, it doesn't take me much to, first you interview me, and then I'm like, hey, how can I get a show? And then we got a show. 
<laughs> and then right. we brought our friends. And so Slim Jim from the, from the Stray Cats, he got a show. And before long, it was like everybody got a show. It and was it was great. fantastic because we were doing cool stuff. But that's so, so that's how I meet uh, Darren Dalton, who plays uh, the Randy Anderson, the tall Soch. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the outsiders oh, yeah, and yeah. he was originally trying to surprise us by bringing c thomas Howe, but tommy couldn't make it uh but we did get se hinton to call in and being a great friend that Nako nolan is prior to us interviewing any of them uh, probably even before having the show he came to my birthday party one night and he hands me a, a thin little uh paper bag and i go in there and i'm like oh wow the outsiders in in paperback uh cool and i was you know I was, this is where I, again i'm being a little sarcastic and a little serious i was like <laughs> wow you spared no you, you spared no expense you got me the the modern paperback version the you know the four dollar copy of hey thanks pal and he's like open it up wise guy and i'm like yeah sure i open it up and it said to my biggest fan danny boy from sc hinton and i almost Aww. fell out of my chair and i'm like jimmy how the fuck did you get the and he's That's like dude long lovely. story but i saw her on twitter and she said she was doing something in la and so I reached out to her and she said, I normally would never do that. But because this, that, and the third, I'm going to, I'll meet you at my hotel and, and, and you got like an hour to do it. And I <sighs> guess, and I didn't know this till later. Cause Jimmy's very, uh, you know, Nako's very, I'll edit. <laughs> he keeps his car, his, no, it's fine. And he okay. doesn't mind, but he keeps okay. his cards to the chest. Right. Yes. yes uh, he does. In a great way, which, which makes him a, a great cop. You know, he's, he's very even keeled. And he doesn't tell you about the, and it took Susie to tell me, she says, you know, I felt so bad when I, when I met Jimmy because, um, uh, he came all the way across uh, traffic. I forget where she was staying, but if you know, LA, you know, there's, there's no one does not just jump in the car and make it anywhere in, in 20 minutes, even nope. if it's like across <laughs> the street. And he had to go, I think he had to go like an hour and change in rush hour traffic. And when he gets to the hotel, they're like, we don't have anybody under that name. And he didn't have her direct phone number. He oh just had Twitter. <laughs> and so he says, no, and this, that, and the third. And they're like, no, we don't know what you're talking about. We can't help you. So he gets in his car and he gets stuck in traffic for another 20 minutes when she dings him on Twitter and says, oh, I'm so sorry. What happened? They told me that you came, but they didn't know what room, but blah, blah, blah. If you could come back, I'll do that for you. <laughs> and he went back. And made it happen. Most people would like, listen, screw. You know what I mean? Too bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Had it been He's me, I would have looked guy. up with her. Really yeah, I would have. I would have been like, you know, giving him the fugazi, <laughs> <laughs> making my own little autograph. You know. But uh, he went back and did it. And literally, it's it's one of those things. And I'm and again, I'm as I'm thinking out loud. If this thing doesn't happen and that thing doesn't happen, none of this happens. And so it's the little things like that that add up to happening right now. Yeah. No, listen, and it's a little, I love thinking it out loud and hearing it uh, in real time, because if those little things, they may seem insignificant or just like a little favor or a little going out of your way for your buddy's birthday, but they all added up to where I'm at right now talking to you. And I, and I don't want to forget that. And it's very important that I have a good friend that would have went out of his way to get me an autograph from an author. He never really, you know, new and then to go through traffic and then to get rejected and then get come halfway back and then go all the way back again to, to for, for a birthday gift. You know what I mean? And because he did that and then they had, they had, you know, met each other face to face when we got the uh, Darren Dalton to come in and, and get on our podcast, we were able then to call Susie and she knew who already, you know, Jimmy Naco was and who obviously Darren Dalton was. And so she agreed 
to call in. And that was the first time we ever like, we got our foot in the door. And from then on, I kept in contact with the, with the Soch. And uh, every time I would come to Tulsa, I would tweet to her, you know, I can't imagine, you know, coming through Tulsa and not visiting the outsider's house. And then one day she responded and said, well, you know where I'm at, honey, if you're ever in town, look me up. And I was like, I'm in town. And then she's like, well, come see, come see me. Uh, 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 let's meet. And uh, I want to also tell you that I almost flaked out on meeting her because I was so nervous and so scared. (laughs) I just didn't know what I would say. I just didn't know how my life experience would translate to anything that the author from The Outsiders and Rumblefish and Tex. And and I just felt like, oh, my God, I was so, so nervous. I literally and I'm not being I'm not being cheeky at all. I mean, 10 minutes before we're about to meet, I was thinking of excuses of like, I I don't, I can't describe it. You know, Uh, it's, I've met anybody who's anybody and all my favorite people on the planet that I look up to admire I've met. And most, most nine times out of 10 or 99.9%, we hit it off. We're great friends and, and the rest is history. But I was just worried that for some reason that she wouldn't like me and I would be all like, you know, just, tripping over myself you know and she yeah so she said come meet me and the first thing i went and met her uh, it was a place called the r bar uh here in tulsa and i sat down right as i walked in there she was at the first table i could see and i was like oh oh she's seen me now there's no turning around now and then i sat down she said great to meet you what are you drinking and i was like i don't drink <laughs> and it's like one of those like you know the old me would have been like okay you can leave now you know what i mean like to mm-hmm. someone who doesn't drink but she was like okay that's fine have a have a whatever you want and she had a few drinks and i had a few waters and some french fries and we just we just yucked it up and it was the start of a of a friendship at that point i asked her i said listen i i know that you know you know that the house is still here uh how come nobody's done anything with it well why don't you turn it into a museum and she looked at me and she said son I wrote the book. It's my book. The movie is the movie. It's I'm retired basically is what she said. And she didn't say those words, but that's the, her thing was like, I did my work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But in asking that, I almost feel like I was asking for another reason, even though I didn't know it at the time, because the last thing I wanted to do was kind of like come up uh, out of nowhere and buy the house and then step on somebody else's toes. Right. We're like, you know, Hey, we were looking to do and you here. You came and messed the whole thing up. So the second she said she wasn't interested at all in any of that, uh, it was like a mental note. Okay, cool. Well, that if the only person I would be worried about offending by buying this or trying to turn it into something would be the author. And she just told me she has no interest in it at all. She must have been so flattered. Mm. She had to have been flattered. I don't know. I mean, I don't even, you know what I mean? I don't even, she's, she's been, she was the first one to support. She was the largest donation. Uh, uh, the first you know week we did it, she's since donated every year uh, uh, of that or greater value. She's a, uh, she's a wonderful person who still intimidates me. And I even tell her, you know, <laughs> I think sometimes she's like, you know, how come uh, I don't see you more often? And I just, I just don't want to press my luck. You know, well, I try to give her space. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I just want to give her space. And, and I want to let, for the first time in my life, I just want to let the action speak uh, so loud that she could barely hear a word I'm saying. And so I just keep doing, you know, the best I can every day at the house, trying to get it together. It's been the greatest thing that's uh, ever happened to me. And it's the greatest thing I, I never knew I wanted. Um, and the communal spirit in this whole thing is, is 
short of miraculous. Uh, this thing doesn't get done because uh, I bought the house. This thing gets done because the community realized, oh my God, we almost lost this thing. And this dude came out of nowhere and got it. And since he's got it, let us do something to help. And some people have, you know, the people with the least to give have given the most. And I always make sure I let people know that because it, it literally looks like, Hey man, you know, my kids are supposed to be at soccer right now. And I I've got, you know, I've worked two shifts right now, but I'm going to come by in the next two hours and I'm going to work on that, that, that sink that's leaking and I can do that for you. And that's all I can do. But, uh, and I'm like, dude, you don't know how, how much that means to me or, Hey man, I, I, in between jobs, I can cut the grass there or I can take that tree that just fell down and I'll cut it up and I'll get it out of there for you free of charge. I just want to see this thing win and succeed and you do good. and so happy for you. And it's those every day. It's like, it's un- it's incredible. Uh, if, 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 if there was any uh, any uh, doubt that 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 people still uh, are good to each other, you know, come Absolutely. to Tulsa, you'll see how that how that works. Absolutely. And then it, I, I've actually been wondering about this, like uh, just even being a fan of like La Coca Nostra and just knowing how you guys talk about like society issues, and then the movie tackles the the greasers and the socias the rich and the poor so buying the house you're you're tackling something that actually is bringing the that same area that was divided in the movie very much together sure and and yeah and to to speak to that point and again uh yeah I I, i try not to do uh politics you know like i i definitely have my opinion on what I like, what I don't like, but what I, what I see on a visceral level, uh, when I'm out in the street and when I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is my calling, which is to save this house, turn it into a museum for the greater good. Everybody I come into contact with, whether white, black, liberal, Republican, it doesn't matter that we're all doing it for the right reasons. And I don't see that in this world, if that makes sense. Everybody, we put all of that aside, straight, gay, this, that, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And I don't care about any of those issues anyway. I mean, I care about them all, but I, I don't have any, like, I, I don't see any of that when, when we find something that we all agree that we love and we all come together. I wish there were more things that would bring people together like this one does. And I know that it's, it's a rare one, but I also know that it's possible. We just got to keep looking for the, 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 the common thing. And, and again, I told you, I go back to sobriety a lot um, because I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a second life for me. It's a new life when by getting sober, I've been sober a little over 14 years consecutively. It's taken me 20 years to get that. Okay. And Mm -hmm. in, so in sobriety, especially when people are new, you often hear people say, listen, dude, just look for the similarities and not the differences. And what that means is like when I first came in as like a methamphetamine uh, alcoholic uh, guy, when people would start sharing about using heroin and I was like, dude, I don't do heroin. I, I'm not a, you know, a low bottom elitist. Like how dare they talk about heroin? I only, I only smoke crystal meth and, and, and drink copious amounts of alcohol. <laughs> and my guy was like, dude, shut up and just listen for the similarities. You know what I mean? And when you do that, you can find that common thing. And so for the people that I come into contact with every day, we don't, we don't, the similarities is all we see. 
It's for the love of SC Hinton. It's for the love of Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's for the love of the outsiders. It's like, and it's for the love. I think it's more than that. It, it's a, it sounds like it's a, um, like a, a real people. Love thing. of Coconosa. <laughs> like that common thread of wanting to do things with other people like that's nice like you're help you're helping a community rebuild i'm sure there's a lot of right. people that come to your place to help you work on this that probably haven't spoken to each other in years you might not even uh, realize course. that you're bridging gap. oh i really i do but i and for, they also bridge in, so i always tell people again uh you know, I need Tulsa more than Tulsa needs me. And what I mean by that is like, you know, there was a, there was a time where there was like, it was like no man's land. It's like, uh, I guess it would be like if you were the star quarterback and all you're talking about 30 years later is remember when we had played that game in, in 79. And it's like, dude, yeah, I do remember. We've got all over it ad nauseum for the last 30 years, bro. And that's really, unfortunately, the downside of being in a band that had a, a, a monster hit and then is no longer really, you know, Right. functional band house of pain there's the dude from house of pain and again i should be so lucky to have one of those in a lifetime is such a, a a gift and a blessing and it saved me from working like a nine to five for most of my life that being said i don't know what stability looks like and still don't know what it looks like at 50 but for the first time in my life i'll go get a cheeseburger and someone will be like hey there he is. And I'm like, oh, oh shit, they're talking. And I'm like, they're like, hey, excuse me, you're the guy from the outsider's house, right? Oh. And I'm like, I light up and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's me. <laughs> and it's like a whole new chapter. You know what I mean? Again, God bless. Uh, I should be so lucky to have, the, the, you know, all of the stuff in the past, all the music stuff. And the, prior to that, there was a lot of like street stuff, that, you know. And, you know, it, I'm, I, th that part is over and this is the new part. And it hasn't come with it, it just it, 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 as much help as I've got on this project. It's also come with a lot of loss as well. You know, uh, me and my wife separated after 10 years coming here for a multitude of reasons. But a lot of them it just grew in different paces and just didn't, you know, see, you know, how this worked for it. It just didn't it wasn't a perfect fit for her. Um, but I know what I have to do and I just don't know what I would do in LA. I was just treading water. I was just going through the yeah. motions, going a couple tours, a couple months. If they were, if the work was available, make right. enough that I didn't have to work a full-time job, but never enough to get ahead, never enough to be comfortable, never enough to get a new car, never enough to get a, a, a down payment on a house. So we were just apartment renters at, at, at heading towards 50 and with no, mm -hmm. no pension, no nothing. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, we have to kind of do something outside of our comfort zone if we're going to ever get ahead because we're going to soon be 50 and before we blink we'll be 60 and we, we, we don't have anything waiting oh I there's no that. retirement there's no there's no 401k there's i mean my health insurance is 840 dollars a month it's like i don't even know how I, i'm doing what i'm doing as it is i'm living off my savings for the last two years you know it's, it's and it's not it's not a great feeling it's, it's, it's terrible feeling actually but i just keep it, it's, it reminds me to, to be in faith, you know, nobody, it's, it's easy when you're on a winning streak to be like, Oh, I got this. And this is all, you know, uh, if this has cost me in ways I never thought, but it's also building uh, character in areas that, you know what I mean? Totally needed it. And so when I look back, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, except for that the house gets open. And once the ribbon is cut, then I can take it, uh, you know, like a deep breath and go, whew, okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I feel like, you know, if 
if let the let the Wikipedia reflect, <laughs> Your Honor. <laughs> In the end, he did he did this. Yeah, he did it with a lot of help, but it, it, maybe it'll balance the scales of uh, you know. Uh, a little bit in my favor or just equal them up. And so what's next is a great question. So as I started collecting all the stuff that there is to collect uh, for the outsiders, undoubtedly I've come across uh, Rumblefish stuff, S.E. Hinton stuff, Matt Dillon stuff, uh, Coppola stuff. And so I, I've been collecting that as well. And what I, what I see here is bigger than just a movie. If it was just a movie museum, I maybe have been able to open it a lot quicker uh, just because you throw some stuff in there, you fluff and buff and voila. But this has like been a complete restoration of a house and to movies, uh, exacting standards. And now what I see that is that, that Tulsa has a queen and her name is Essie Hinton. And all she'd probably cringe the, the second I just said that if she hears this, uh, it's true. I mean, she is the, she is the, what do you call it? The, you know, uh, the favorite son, the favorite daughter, the, you know, like if Leon Russell is the, is the, the king of, uh, you know, if he's known for the, the music, uh, the Tulsa sound and it's Leon Russell then Essie Hinton should be honored as, you know, the favorite daughter of Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, who bigger than, than her? And what I see is that there's not a statue in downtown Tulsa of her. Like I could go to Minneapolis and see a statue of Mary Tyler Moore and give her a kiss on the cheek and throw my hat up in the air. You should be able to do that here. And so this might seem like a silly question, but all these guys have built careers off of the back of that movie. Right. I I mean, have you gotten a lot of, what does that got to do with me? So you Ralph gave me his shoes. Like that's huge. Yeah, but that's so. Here's the thing, and again, I get it all the time. I, if, if can you imagine? So and and believe me, I have. <laughs> so three scenarios, okay? Scenario number one: I buy the house, and pick pick one of the stars. Goes here, dude. I'm gonna give you a million dollars, and we do it in six months. There's nothing in that for me. Gotcha. There's nothing in that for me. There's no learning. There's no growing. There's no. I'm back to ego again. It's back. It's back to jump around again. It's like Everlast writes it. I made. I created the band. No, but just in general, there's nothing. I think like God's plan is different than you know that. Absolutely. I'm not trying to get all. You no, know what it, I mean? it's, it's no. a great. Uh, it's a great lesson so, for people our age. And, so right. you can transform nah. into this thing that you've never been able to. At this age, in your forties, you uh, listen. Forties, I'm fifty. Well, yeah, I've, now you are. The last three years, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, yeah. the last three years of the hardest work I've ever had to do, and and and, and mostly it's mental work, but it takes a physical toll like uh, you wouldn't believe, right? Oh, I because I want to get this thing not only right, I want to do perfection, and I know that the, you, there's no such thing. So I'm just gonna. We're just trying to get it and just, it's a lot. It's, a, it's like whack-a-mole. You hit one down and four more pop up. And I'm like, oh my God, it's never ending. So when I do get to that finish line, I, I'm going to feel some type of like, finally for once I've accomplished something with the help of, you know, like-minded people for the greater good. And again, it would have robbed me. If anybody had given me more than what they've given me, it would have robbed me of the experience to grow and learn. And so I'm glad that's nobody awesome. did similar and similar to being sober. I told you, I'm going to keep going to the well. If you could stop somebody in the midst of their thing from hitting rock bottom, then they would never change that action. Right. If you could keep saving me while I would go out and do drugs and alcohol, you know, to, to cure my, to, to treat my pain 
and you keep pulling me out of there, I'm going to keep going back there. Every time you let me go, I never learn because you'll always be there to pull me out. And eventually I'm going to die doing that or I'm going to kill somebody else or both, you know, right. jails, prisons, and institutions. So there's no need. So as, as painful and as also as, as, as uh, wonderful this project's been, like Danny has grown so much. And so, and I also feel like pride of ownership as well in that, like I, I finally, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I've fought for every inch of this thing and with the help of everybody as well. But I'm just saying like, I have to, if I don't, if I don't show up, the, the, nobody else shows up. Right. I have to show up every day and set the example. And even when nobody shows up, I got to still be there either. You know, I'm the, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. I do the mm-hmm. PR. I do the, the, the foreman. I, I just, I got 20 hats I'm wearing right now. And so, but what I see, the greater thing is, is that there's an educational component. And what that looks like is that anybody in the Midwest, they don't have the similar, like we do in New York, New Jersey, LA, like how many famous people come out of Brooklyn or Manhattan, or, you know, there's so many success stories, actors, musicians, whatever, whatever your thing is, right? LA, the same thing. The Midwest doesn't have their people. SC Hinton is their people. You know what I mean? They, the kids that I talk to, no matter what race, denomination, nothing, they're more interested that somebody out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, succeeded and it gives them hope that they could too possibly do something great that will resound, you know, like will resonate with the world. And that's what I start to see. And so we need a place where we can show them, this is what happens when you write, you know, and you you live your dreams and you do your, your thing. This is potentially what could happen. You know what I mean? And a little girl of 15 wrote this book and look at all the stuff that has sprung out of it, you know, including me. It resurrected my whole purpose. It, It gives me a purpose. And that's so wonderful. I I'm think hoping to make an SC Hinton Museum in the end. So now that the, when, when the house gets open, hopefully in the next month and a half, no matter how much it makes or how much it does, that's irrelevant. The fact that we saved it and it's viable and people show up to it, uh, it that's already happened, right? And now I want to use it as a case study and say this is proof and concept that there is a fan base for this and people love her just as much as they did 51 years ago as they do today, if not more so. We need to get, we need to raise X amount of dollars to make a standalone Essie Hinton Museum with all her work in it, and then include Coppola, Stuart Copeland for the music side, Tom Waits, all the people who have worked with, you know, in her films and, and him. And that's the dream. Uh, the statue, even if I have to come out of my own, <laughs> can't we go get a statue? Because that, that, that's like a guilty pleasure. I, I just, I can already vision it and see it. And I know it's going to happen. And right now, I want to tell you, we just got funded for the first plaque. We're putting, I plan to put eight to ten plaques from both Rumblefish and the Outsiders, and we just got the first Rumblefish one. Uh, the sponsor for it, the guy who owns the building, uh, allows us to do it, and we're going to do. We're going to put historic plaques at all the filming locations. So independently of me, you don't need to come to Tulsa and find me to find these spots. We're going to just, we're going to honor these locations as they should be. And then you can basically look it up or there'll be a visitor's guide and you can go all around Tulsa and see where all of these things were filmed. And again, it just honors, you know, That's Tulsa's wonderful. movie history. Just, and so It's so much fun listening to you talk about it. And I think when they, <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm, I kind of, I want you to have, that out there and I want people to recognize what it is you're doing and I know you say it comes from it's it's inner peace for you but for other people to see that somebody can take something and turn it into this because out of, out of a 
out of a out of a passion, out of a love for it. That's what I right. want people to recognize. Like these guys that I'm referring to that came out of the movie, that their careers were like kickstarted by this. Like I think for them, it would be so nice to know that, you know, this is where it all started. And I think for them to see that, like what you've created, well, I think it's amazing. You know, of course, they see it. And listen, I appreciate it. And, and, and in all fairness, you know, uh, Tommy's come back multiple times and donated his hoodie from the movie, which was the only thing he had left. Uh, Ralph has come back a few times and gave us the sneakers that he wore, which is he's kept one thing from every film and he got the sneakers and did, he, they'd both done events with us. Um, Darren Dalton was the first guy to, to step up and, and come through with it. Susie Hinton, uh, Rob Lowe came on his own TV show and, and did. And so, you know, and it's still, it's like the first season. Like do we still have yeah. a lot of time on the clock? Who doesn't, oh, who, yeah. who says I don't double back and hit them again next year when I say you didn't, <laughs> here's what I, here's what I wanted from the house, but I wanted to show you that we could do it independently of asking anybody for anything. It's now we wonderful. want to do a bigger museum. I need $10 million and I need it now. And so <laughs> who knows, you know, like I've a, been, it could happen. So yeah, no, I mean, listen, that being said too, it is my, it would be a crime for me to do this with the help of everybody and then to just sit back and go, okay, now how do I make money? And money is definitely what I need to, to actually live myself. But the crime is if I don't tell my story every chance I can, because I want to be able to inspire people, especially, you know, former drug addicts and alcoholics and, 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 you know, people who, who, you know, been to hell and back to say, dude, it, 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 you know, you, there's still a lot of, you know, there's, there's still a lot of good in the world. There to definitely borrow, uh, is. You know, from Johnny Cade, you know, tell Dally, I don't think he knows. Well, I'm telling Dally. Oh, and so yeah. my, my whole thing is to be, uh, you know, an advocate and, and to really preach the, you know, to tell my story, you know, nationally is, is my goal. I feel like I'm going to start doing a lot of, a lot more public speaking. I just did a comic con. Uh, they actually, they gave me a diploma. I got a ninth grade education and <laughs> the, in the, 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 they gave me a, a honorary diploma from Will Rogers, uh, Susie's uh, alma mater. Uh, I spoke at their uh, graduation. Awesome. Uh, I was a commencement speaker. It was like about 2,500 kids. They did, actually did it at the, the basketball gymnasium at the college. It was like terrifying, but it was also, again, you know, it's, it's like, it's kind of like the, I feel like um, obliged to forever now tell the story of what happened when I came to town with very little, I mean, I had no money and no plan. The house cost me 15 grand. I paid five grand to move the, the tenants out who were already eight months behind in rent. I had $8,000 left to my name, no work in front of me. And at the time my wife had never seen the movie or the book and uh, read the book. So she was like, Oh, that's awesome. You know? And, and I mean, I was like, what did I just do? <laughs> I just put 20,000 of, of the 28,000 I had in my life savings into a, a, a derelict house in Tulsa, Oklahoma, while living in an apartment in Beverly Hills, California, still treading water, figuring out how we're going to even, you know? And so I did take a leap of faith. That's why yeah. I say, okay, that was my part. You know what I mean? And, and rallying this thing for the last three years, uh, but oh, everything else has been, well, yeah, I know. And so speak about again, it. it's just, 
It's wonderful. I mean, I I came home the other night and my I have a 14-year-old and he's like, what are you doing, mom? And it's 1130. I'm like, you know what? I was telling about you and what we were going to do tonight. And I said, I'm going to rewatch the movie, The Outsiders, just because I want to freshen up and I haven't seen it in God knows how many years. He's like, oh, I'll watch it with you. He watched it to the very end with me. He had a million and one questions. And then he wants to know everything about you. So I was explaining to him, you know, what it is you're doing. He's absolutely fascinated by it. Like he's, I know he's going to listen to this you know, later on when we, when uh, it's all done, he's going to just absolutely love it and ask me 9 million more questions. It's just, That's I think awesome. what you're doing is it's, you really have, you're truly a role model when it comes to with this, like it's, it's a great story and I love how candid you are. And I love that you're not afraid to talk about, you know, the drugs and the alcohol and where you were going and how you had to pull yourself up. That's, that's not easy to do. And I give you a lot of credit for it. And I'm, and I'm absolutely riveted when you're talking about it because it's so interesting well, I, and it's wonderful I to hear. I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Again, you know, I, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, it's the least I could do is, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, you get to a certain point in life where you're at, you know, especially being in entertainment, you're just, you're there to get, 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 and, you know, amplify everything to, to get, more and I'm at the point now where like kind of reverse that polarity and give as much as you can and so if this is me giving and I'm also ticking off those boxes I love to collect I love the the outsiders I love greasers I love America I love all the all the nuances I love denim jackets and 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 mustangs and you know all the and pompadours and whatever whatever you know like greasy hair all of that stuff is like in my wheelhouse so I love it and you know I think the the, so, you know, I never really feel like I painted myself into a corner. Uh, they often ask me, did you love the outsiders that much that you moved everything to Tulsa, Oklahoma? And I said, no, yes and no. I love the outsiders that much, but I fell in love with the town. I fell in love with the people and I fell in love with the, with the, with the, 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 the fans that come through, even though it's an old dusty old house that we're still working on and they don't get to see the inside. They come with the biggest, brightest eyes and they, 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 they're telling me their story. Like I'm telling you mine. And I'm like, wow, that's incredible. And then usually it's like, my mom read the book when she was in seventh grade, she gave it to my older sister and my older sister helped me read it. I'm in seventh grade and miss so-and-so's class. And my mom was here when they, when Matt Dillon was in, and it's like this whole, long thread of like family history and it's all based around the outsider. So for me, I'm like, always like, Oh my God, what, what have I, you know, like stumbled upon. It's so, it's so incredible. So when it does open up in a month and a half, uh, you know, hopefully what, what will be the, the schedule? Will it be open? uh, It's a great question. So no, right now there was a lady, there was a, no, I wish there was. So we had a, we we had to turn the property from a a residential to commercial. And in doing so we had a hearing and in the hearing we were blindsided by one neighbor who does not like anything about what we're doing. And I, I feel for, every reason but the right reason there's she blamed it on future parking concerns which those were very real and we had definitely had a plan in place all she had to do for the first two years of watching us do this was walk across the street and have a conversation to our plan and i would have given her our plan and she would have found it satisfactory because there's we won't really have parking in the neighborhood the plan was always to either buy a lot rent a lot or find a, a place to to set uh you know start the tour and that's still what we're doing. But unfortunately, in that hearing, they, they, they heard her argument and allowed, they made us uh, only allowed to be open on the weekends by appointment only. And so originally, that was our plan. It would have just been seven days a week. 
Uh, and what that looks like is when we do get open, you will go online, you will find a slot, uh, whatever, 10, 10 in the morning till uh, six at night, and you will book your ticket and you will meet us at the Hyatt downtown. And at the Hyatt, we have a staging area where the bus will pick you up. You will get on our bus. We will take you through downtown, tell you a little bit about the history of Tulsa, a little bit of, you know, uh, Rumblefish as we pass some of those sites. We'll immediately be in North Tulsa within four minutes. And in the area of North Tulsa where the house is, there's about seven to eight filming locations because that's where Coppola had rented the, the, an old uh, elementary school that was no longer in use and used it as his movie studio. So they would rehearse and set up all in that place called Lowell Elementary School. And then they would walk across the street to the park, walk three blocks over to the rumble field, uh, walk four blocks over to the outsider's house and so on. And so we'll give you a mini tour, you know, video screens playing the scenes as we go by them. And I'll tell you a little backstory about it, et cetera, et cetera. You'll end up at the house at the end. You'll get like 30 40 minutes at the house see the collection exit out the gift store and i'll have you back at the hyatt within an hour an hour and five minutes it'll all be very clear concise and you'll have a great time and you'll know now where everything was filmed and if you decide to come back uh, on your own that's up to you anybody's allowed to come out in front of the house and take pictures on the porch or, or out front but i really couldn't openly invite as many people to, to come anytime that they want and I also don't want to have a museum that has no time limit. And because unfortunately, again, the, the downside of everybody having a story when they read it, when some people will stay three, four hours and it's just, <laughs> you can't do business that way. You know what I mean? It's oh, not, uh, it's not conducive to like having a manageable tour in a residential neighborhood. So we're working on that. Uh, and two days is all I can handle now as it is. Uh, we'll do five tours a day. Um, hopefully when we open it, uh, Tommy's coming back. I just, he got me a text. He's trying to make the date happen. We're trying to do the first week of August, but now he's saying he's booked for a movie, unfortunately. So we're trying to roll it back a week or we're, we're I'm still working on all that. I'd love to have him here to cut the ribbon since he's been instrumental and, in, and, in, and, in, and, in, and, you know, in supporting us with this. Uh, unfortunately, Ralph Macho was just here for another organization and I don't see with his, schedule and the Karate Kid reboot and all that, that he's going to be able to come back in, in, in a month, you know? Right. And, uh, and so, and then, you know, we'll, we'll do, we'll, we'll expand as, as needed. And we're always going to, I'm going to look for support immediately when we open this thing, we're going to look for grants, uh, to find, um, somebody who will fund Monday through Friday. We're not allowed to be open to the public technically that's air quotes, but we are allowed to have private events or anything we want. just like you would, if you had a house. And what I want to do is make sure that we can find money for school children to come through on field trips. So if we can find an, an endowment that somebody could say, Hey, we're going to sponsor a thousand kids a year. We'll give you whatever that number is. Here's 50,000, hundred thousand, whatever the number is. And we, we, we want 2,500 kids to come through in the calendar year and 40, 40 kids at a pop, one bus, they can spend, you know, three or four hours at the house. They can read the book on the lawn. They can Skype out to China to a sister class if they want, discuss it live from Tulsa, Oklahoma. They can leave with a little lesson plan and they can see what happens when a 15 year old girl who's going through it writes a book and what the possibilities are endless. And so this is great. I can't wait to go. That's so amazing. Yeah, no doubt. And don't you have like a, a once a year, like outsiders house day? I forgot because, um, Naco. Well, we've, we've done a, oh. we've done a few events and, uh, yeah. and again, the, the whole, we, we, I want to use the house 
to its maximum to be of service to the community in every area. So we've done already, we've done two coat drives. We, 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 we literally got 500 jackets uh, in two weeks, uh, some of the coldest weeks in, in, in December uh, for homeless people. We've done a pet food drive there. I, uh, someone just offered to do a, a, a yoga thing on the lawn for charity. Um, we have a coffee shop that just started and they're going through it well, financially for a few different reasons. We want to do an event there. So the, the, the house is going to be like really like a, a place that we can do all kinds of stuff that people who were interested in seeing the house, but maybe not super interested because I don't know, they were too old when the movie came out or too young, but they, their interest is peaked. And then they're like, wait, but they're doing a, a yoga thing. Let's go to that. Uh, I've been offered some people wanted to do a wedding there and I'm going to tell them, <laughs> I told them that they could do that. So hey, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're rockabilly and you want to get married, why not do it at the outsider's house? You know? So again, I'm one guy and I have like five people on our board, but they're also full-time people. One's a fireman, one's a lawyer, one's a club promoter, one's a cameraman. Uh, and so I, eventually I'm going to need to hire someone that can do the operations for all this thing. It's just way out of my range wow. of expertise. Wait till Again, you have I need someone who can. All over, like my nieces love, it's like their favorite movie. We're talking about it also, you know, because you had a family function and they just love that the whole idea of it. And um, like, you're going to, you're going to have schools all over doing coat drives in your in your oh, no. in your name let them do it i think they're it would be great love, and they're I, gonna love to do this you know you could have an annual pick a day and it could be schools no that's what i want to do i know who would have thunk it i mean i you know it's it's definitely it's 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 crazy that, that this thing lends itself to all of that and that you know uh i i definitely see that that's the future of of the house it's a very uh it's got a lot of uh it can it can do a while everybody talks politics on the on the on the internet we 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 avoid all that and we get right into the the service work and so already there's been so many things that have happened beneficial for the community because of the house the house is like the you know i would do like it in the my beacon and so there you go there you go Honest to god i mean it's such yeah. a, it really is it's absolutely wonderful i wish you all the and success I, in the world with it it's just i appreciate awesome. it i want to i want to tell you one more thing before i forget so six months ago fred roos who is the the casting agent which is again responsible for the for the, for the creation of the brat pack uh right. you know, unknowingly yeah. and uh also he's he's coppola's right hand he's been the producer on every movie since the godfather he didn't do the godfather he did the godfather 2 and everything after which is the bulk of Coppola's production. He was here about six months ago the first time. And he said, what, I said, what brings you to town? Now, first I said, how long has it been since you've been at Tulsa? And he looked at me like I was crazy. He was like 82 son. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair play. Okay. I said, what brings you back now? 36 years later. He said, well, I don't know if you know or not, but uh, we're going to turn me and Coppola are going to turn the outsiders into a Broadway musical. And I, my heart almost stopped. What? So That's awesome. I'll fast forward to where we're at now. Uh, next Whoa. month, they're going to run the first the first trial of that in Chicago, which is the normal rite of passage for musicals. I don't know the first thing about musicals, but I'm told you first get the first seed money, you put the the cast together, and then you test it at the at the in Chicago. And then if it resonates great with audiences, which I don't see why it wouldn't, then they fund it to go to Broadway. So wow, if this thing goes good next month. Sometime next year, uh, there'll be The Outsiders on Broadway. Um, oh. And why I bring that up is it's, it's one, it's good for The Outsiders. Uh, it's good for Tulsa. But it's also, you know, 
proof that there's going to, you know, that this story is, is, is definitely, uh, it's malleable to any generation because there'll always be a, a gener there'll always be a haves and the have nots and, yeah. you, you know, yes. boy meets girl and the wrong side of the tracks and right side. So it's, it's, it's the story's never going to get old and, uh, it, you know, it's going to find hopefully a, a home with all kinds of kids. Now I anticipate in a couple of years, kids going, you know, excuse me, is this the house that I saw with my daddy on Broadway? Oh. And like, yeah. Yeah. Come on in. That's the house. It's same difference. Yeah. 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 Come on. <laughs> so uh, I, think I know that I know that, you know, a whole new generation is going to discover it. And although I'm a purist and I love the original version and I love the book, uh, you know, I love Greece and I, it's, it was a successful Broadway play or musical before it was ever a movie. And yeah. so, you know, they both have very different audiences and everybody loves Greece. And so I see it as the same, you know, that's right in your wheelhouse, that movie, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so all, all that, of course. That's our age, too. That's right. <laughs> that was the best. Oh, you know of what I course. wanted to ask you? Being a music guy, when you watch the movie, do you ever hear the similarity between the soundtrack, like the background music and The Outsiders to The Godfather? Well, if, if, there, if there's a similarity, that's because his dad is the one who did the music for both of those. His Francis's dad is, is Carmine Coppola. He was a famous musician conductor. He was Henry Ford's favorite conductor. And he ran the Henry Ford theater in Detroit and they had such a great relationship that he decided to name his son, Francis, wait for it, Ford Coppola oh. for Henry Ford. <laughs> and so the original soundtrack for the outsiders is like, one of my favorite, the score is the best thing ever. Now, when Coppola went back in 2005, his father had already passed and he admits oh. I would have never try, attempted to take his score out, but I always wanted to see what that movie sounded like with Elvis and, and, and contemporary music. Right. Now, in my humble opinion, I hate it. <laughs> I love that there's 22 minutes that I didn't get to see and I can look at more locations in Tulsa and see more of the house, but I hate that there's like... Elvis and I'm, nothing against Elvis. I like Elvis, but just right. it seems very contrived and very predictable. I love that in 82, when I went into 83, when I went to the movie house and saw that movie, that it did feel like a garment with the wind for my generation. It arced back to something that I thought immediately my mother and father would love this movie. It was the first movie that I thought that they could, that would be the, you know, that, 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 that common, you know, that, that similarity thing. Very right. And, and yeah, very epic. And so the fact that he did that, I get why he did that. He's Francis Ford Coppola could do what he wants, but he had a, he definitely <laughs> waited for his dad to die before he did that. And I can tell you what, every every just about every fan that I ever talked to, uh, with the, with the exception of there's always a few, uh, they they do not like that that he messed with that because you're messing with people's emotions, you're messing right. with people's like childhood, you know, things. So I love Francis Ford Coppola's father, Carmine Coppola's score. Um, I, I hear it, it and, and and it brings me right back to where I was. And so I I love it. I was 13, so excited to hear. So, oh. You know. oh, I love that. There's so many, there's so many things that I had like to, to say, and you just mentioned something about the, you know, messing with movies and I'm a star Wars nerd. So I definitely know what you're talking about because there are people right. where by when the original, original, not what he, you know, he added and, and did some. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, as long as an artist is alive, they're going to go back and they're, they're going to repaint the painting again and to mm -hmm. tighten up that, but there's something right. to be said about just leaving it. 
you know, uh, leave it in alone. And so, again, it, he had the chance to put in 22 last minutes. He was going for the whole ball of wax. He's like, I'm going to put my score, my, my, my version of it. But I'll right. tell you what, the only – there's technically – two songs in the original movie always people say that there's one the the one that's the noticeable one is gloria no oh, well, sure. that's yeah, the, yeah. so you're right you wait so you're right there's three now that i think about it so there's the stevie wonder one and i think that comes about because he was a warner brother act and i forget one of the other somebody else was connected to him so they probably just threw him a you know like a like a like a like here here do some do this for our film, uh, but I know that S.C. Hinton fought for Gloria to be in there, mm-hmm. and uh, still one of my favorite songs because of the movie. And then there is a weird song which is which is a blooper if you could believe that, <laughs> where after Johnny kills the Soch and he goes to the to to see Dally to get help. The guy who answers the doors is is Tom Waits, right. which was another you know. Uh, cameo type easter egg thing but there's a song playing while they go through there but unfortunately for them I, that song was written in 79 and it's supposed to be 1966 <laughs> <laughs> so it's like if you if you're paying attention for those playing at home you're like those are the little like oops oh, that, that was so a mess funny. up and stuff and it sounds like a song from the 60s for sure but it, it was from like 1979 and oh, nobody caught it. And so, you know, so if you go back and listen, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But I love the fact that Susie, they told Susie originally know that they'd have to pay for, for Gloria. And she's like, I don't care. You're going to pay for it. And they did. And to me, that's, that's when the movie gets immediately when Dallas Winston is standing on the corner and they're like, you know, we're early. What do you want to do? And he goes, nothing legal, man. Let's get out of here. And then Gloria uh, kicks on. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. that you're, you're on, you're getting ready for going a ride and it's going to be good. And so, yeah, I love it. I lo- I've met just about everybody who's either that worked on the film was an extra on the film uh and i meet every one of them and, and to me they're all stars uh in the in the you know in the in that universe they're all a part of it and all equal part i i, I couldn't imagine you know uh even right down to that guy um William Smith, the guy that plays the store clerk at the end. Oh, he's great. He he's is. a great character actor, too. He was he's also in Rumblefish. He was the cop in Rumblefish. Yeah. He was a store clerk, and he was the cop in Rumblefish. Yeah, he's a, he's like the real dude. He's like an actor's actor, like an old school uh, heavy. Oh, the, and great. which way you can. Yeah. Do you know who we're talking about, O'Malley? Yep, yeah, of I course. No, oh, I, I ask me. <laughs> yeah, no, I know who he is. Yeah, he's great. But again, there's so many, like, there's so many good takeaways from it. But, I, you know... I fell in love with the movie. I fell in love with the town. You know, uh, I fell in love with the people here. And uh, this is my home. And I, I, you, if you would have told me this five years ago, I'd have been like, I don't know what you guys are smoking. I, 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 I'm a New Yorker who loves, who loves, you know, living in California. And, and I couldn't imagine this, but now I couldn't imagine my life without this. And so. That's great. How are the restaurants there? What kind of food do they got down there? Yeah. We are you know actually getting He's a burger my, brother. Yeah, so I started a show when I first got here. I I, I, I was getting a lot of press, and uh, one of the guys who used to come over from Fox was always like, after he he would, so they were morning anchors, and so that means they would wake up at two in the morning to go to work, and they would get off at nine. <laughs> They'd want to interview me at the house last like last thing at, at ten, and then he he would interview me, and then he was always like, hey, you want to get a burger? And I'm like, hold on, dude, that's something you don't hear in L.A. You know, you you want to get a burger? That's like a lost art in L.A. or New York. You you get kale and 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 quinoa and and <laughs> gluten free, but you do not one does not just go get burgers. And so what I started to notice that there was like thirty or forty different. I'm literally there's like thirty something. 
uh, independent mom and pop Route 66 type oh, that's the burger best. places, and they're all equally as, as, as great as the next one. And a lot of them have homemade root beer. And I mean, it really oh is like just like new, just like old school roadside experience. Tulsa's has got a lot to lot to love. And I and I know, you know, when you say growing up in Jersey, I, there was a time when growing up in Jersey was a great thing too. In the summers, it was like you know, again, there was like A and W root beer spots. Oh, yeah. and we, just, we had a lot of like Stewart's. like oh yeah. Stewart's, yeah, and drive-ins yeah. and Dairy Queens and all of those little simple things. Let me get yep. the Jimmies with the, you know, with the, the sprinkles with the this and the things with the that. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, and it was like, oh, there was like, and that's just gone now. Well, in Tulsa, we still have a lot of that. That's it never great. went anywhere. And I can only attribute it to that real estate prices on the coastal cities are so expensive that those things fail because they, the generation after it doesn't appreciate it. And then the land is used for other businesses. And in Tulsa, there was a few, there was a 20 year dark period where like, this was the oil capital of the world. This was one of the most richest cities on the planet. The oil was coming out of here and all the big companies started here. This is where John Paul Getty got a start. This is where Wade Phillips and the Phillips 66, yeah. all of the oil companies were here. Unfortunately, towards the eighties, they all pulled out and left to Dallas or somewhere in Texas. And when you pull out the infrastructure similar to Detroit, when there's no car businesses there anymore, Everybody's kind of, so there's still a lot of really rich people off oil here on one side of town, but there was no real jobs for anybody who wasn't in oil and, you know, the service industries and all that stuff. So we have a really pristine Art Deco, the third largest amount of Art Deco buildings short of New York and Chicago here in Tulsa. It's the Paris of the Midwest. The city, you walk around, you feel like you're on a set from like, you know, uh, you know, some twenties gangster film. It's like these beautiful buildings. It looks like Metropolis, right? Wow. And there, there, it just sat shuttered, and so it missed like decades of like rebranding and re refacing and re. It didn't go through all the things that normal cities do, where they constantly are like tearing them down and building new ones. And so what's left is like a large swath of like great buildings. And now the newer ones that they're starting to develop are done with integrity, and that they they don't look like you know, something that doesn't belong. And so there's this really, it's one of the last of great American cities that hasn't been like redone and now they're starting to redo it, but they're doing it in the right way. And I think really the Canes Ballroom, which was one of the anchors that was still here, which is like the CBGBs of the Midwest is like, it's got all the right things. It's got a hundred year old theater that's just about to celebrate its anniversary or 91 years. It's uh, called Circle Cinema and it's also in The Outsiders. It's the theater that she's writing about. As I stepped out from the dark sunlight of the, or the bright sunlight of the dark theater house, I had two things on my mind. Well, that the Circle Cinema is, I think, is celebrating. I have it on paper here somewhere because we're doing an event there next month for their anniversary. But I, I believe it's 91 years or, or something like that. Uh, there's a lot of historic stuff here, and then and then now they're meeting with all of the new stuff. There's a there's there's a real big em- emphasis on arts and 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 music and and there's a lot of support for all that stuff. And uh, now I live at the historic hotel called the Mayo hotel. And I can look out the window and see the BOK center, which is kind of like uh, Barclays or Staples center in LA. Uh, so all the big concerts come through here and there's just a whole, the city and they hate the comparison, but I, I and I, and I know why they hate it, but you know, so what it is the next Nashville, it is the next Austin, but in its own way. People that's, are discovering the affordability that old school Americana and you can come here 
in Tulsa. And if you got a dream and you got the, you got the, the, the wherewithal to like uh, show up for it, that you will find support here and you will, you will find a home here because they're looking for people to come build and come create. And so again, I don't know that I could find that in New York and LA and I believe me, I'm a, I'm to the core. I mean, I know, I know my way around both cities, like nobody's business and I know everybody who's anybody, but at the end of the day, they go home and like, bye-bye and good, you know, good luck. And it, those, it's hard to break into anything in New York or LA. Uh, you know, tell me I'm wrong. I mean, I could give yeah, you a hot dog oh, card. You, where you, you're going to, I give you an ice cream truck. Let's start there. Where are you going to park it? Yeah, <laughs> you got to get a permit. You got to the mob goes. I got that corner. You ain't parking here. You fight with somebody who's had that route for eighty years. The grandfather come over from the old country. And you're not parking there. But like that's it's just that's, a, that's you get a Kanish thing. Where you gonna put it? <laughs> <laughs> where where you, know, you gonna I go? What? I mean, you know. When I come you down know? to see your museum, I'm because my husband and I do these food tours. Like we'll go on vac- des- like food destinations. Like that's our vacations. And uh, yep. when, we, when we come down to your museum, to the Outsiders Museum, we're taking you to dinner. That is one. Yeah, thing. I'll show you the whole town. Oh, I would love. So that. I was worried. My biggest worry was that. This, so I do a burger tour. We do it on Fox. We do it on their, yeah. on their internet uh, program. They they tease it on, on air, but it's it's more of a, a online thing for them. We do it once a week. It's great. I'm really after the stories more than I'm after the burger. Burgers are all great, but one can only have so many burgers a week. But the, the story where it's just as, as much as passionate as I am about the Outsiders, they are about how they ended up in that business or why they you know lasted so long. You're a people person. That's I love it. no only until I'm not. But if I like what I like, I am for sure. Right. Uh, But my biggest fear was not the hamburgers, was that the pizza was going to suck. And it it didn't even dawn on me until I moved here. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) What if the pizza sucks? I didn't even think about that. Oh, my God. The pizza does not suck. And there's a place here called Andalini's and their best slice, their most expensive slice is called the DeMarco. And I said, DeMarco? I said, as in Dom? And they go, you know the Dom? I said, yeah, Dom DeMarco from DeFars in Brooklyn? They're like, how did you know? I'm like, oh, bro, I'm from Brooklyn. I, we go to DeFars. DeFars is my man. It's like my, they, do a, they, do, they do an homage to his slice in Brooklyn. Uh, and it, it, it's, it's fantastic pizza. And it's one of many. There's, there's that. There's a place called Bohemian that does a great pizza and a great, all the other stuff. There's all, we live in a world now where everybody knows what the good stuff is. They've all been to Brooklyn. They've been to the Brooklyn pharmacy and learned how to do oh, uh, yeah. soda jerks and cherry lime Rickies and, and, and egg creams. They brought it back here. There's a guy here with the creamery ice cream spot. I forget. It's called like Rose Rock. He went to the place. Uh, I forget the name in Brooklyn, another ice cream place that hand makes it. People here, they do the homework. They love it. They go somewhere else. They find out what it is, and then they bring it back to Tulsa. And that's what I love about Tulsa. It feels like when I was growing up in Hollywood that if you if you if you if you dared to start a band, you had a chance. If you dared to act, you might find yourself employed, and 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 you could who knows? The sky was the limit, right? And we that's did awesome. that with music. But Thanks. if I if I if I had kids now, I'd be like, guys, to get an education because. <laughs> music is not what it was there's no uh they, this is not there's no circle they, they pick now what, what's gonna pop and it's usually <laughs> that's a whole other discussion but right. believe me <laughs> if you're not on if you're not on television on on one of those crazy shows or whatever yeah i mean it's not the same so no uh, it's definitely not tulsa still feels like if you have a dream and you're willing to work hard for it 
they they'll they'll recognize and support it in every way. And I, I see that right now with the coffee shop that's having some problems, and everybody's rallying around it. Just opened up a couple months ago and had a few different things that were unforeseeable. And they got a little behind the eight ball and now the community's stepping up and it's like normal people will go, yo, you start a business tough, you know, tough shit. Fuck right. you. You know, yeah. like, why, yeah, why, why would we help you? Yeah. But that's not the, that's, and I, and prior, that would be me too. Like, oh bro, that's business. Yeah. You know it also what? actually it's sounds like, like the backseat of the station wagon. Like it's like old. It's so ah, it is. It, it brings it back to like those it roots is. that so many. And so everybody's like, nah. Does this make a better Tulsa or not? Let's support this. They need help, and it's wonderful to see that man because in in in, in everybody's hearts of hearts, that's how life should be. We get it. Like the, life on life's terms, most times can suck. <sighs> it's it's not. It's yeah. never. It's never like. Uh, fair in that way you know what i mean with your best yep. your best laid plans you know and so i'm like what, what is it a hundred dollars this way or the third it's just a little drip but i'm i'm i'm, I'm supporting people i care about and i something i want to see in tulsa and, uh, and there's plenty of coffee shops here and they're all great but this one in particular is our spot and we you know we this is where we cultivate our creativity over a cup of coffee and some avocado toast believe it or not <laughs> and <laughs> it's like that's, that's support. And so you really, I we really feel that here in Tulsa. And I, I swear, I never felt that like, it, I haven't felt like that way about LA since like the, the mid eighties or and it just in that time where you could, you know, start a hip hop group. And, and it's been a long time since that magic has been in like bigger cities. And then I'll say this and shut up. But like, I don't recognize New York city anymore. I mean, no. I miss the, I miss the old New York. I miss the grimy, you know, 40 deuce. And I mean, I know it had problems and there's this things, but there was something, there was a soul there that's missing now. And it's for like the elite, the 1%, you know, and, and mm -hmm. if not good luck and, and LA is no different. I mean, it's filled with like mega complexes that are started $5,000 a month to rent and then 1.2 to own. And you're basically getting like a glorified, like, you know, prison cell with a view. It's like little, like, uh, it's just not, I don't, I just, that entrepreneurial, like fun loving thing is long gone. It's like all big business and, you know, all corporate, like, you know, and that's not fun. That's not, I don't like that spirit. You know, I like the spirit of like, follow your heart, do what you love. And if you, if you work hard enough at it, you may make a living of it and you have a good, you have a good life, you know, doing what you love. And so I found that here. And so maybe it may be, I don't think that's unique to me. I think that's what's going on here, but, uh, I can't say enough good things about, about Tulsa, Oklahoma and the people here, you know, and they have good pizza. I love that you've had some good and pizza. They got ice cream, pizza and burgers. I mean, they have burgers it, with it, peanut butter and bacon. They do. And I'll do you one better. There was a selling point at one point. It was, there was, there's a Trader Joe's and a Whole Foods. And so, boom. <laughs> that was, that was, that's a, if you're coming from LA or New York, you need oh, to yeah. have that. Well, we got that. So, right. well, you know, and it's only getting better. We, we just had, we just got the Iron Man that's coming next year, which was a big thing for Tulsa. Oh yeah. There's a lot of events that come through here. This, this is like, I'm telling you, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't the real, uh, it's, it's one of those, like, everybody's done most of the, you know, major cities in, in the U.S. at some point or another, or at least heard ad nauseum about them. Tulsa is this weird little secret that's starting to be like, you know, wow, I keep hearing this. You, you watch. After talking to me now, Tulsa's going to start popping up on your radar, even if it's a news stream feed that you never noticed before until we talk. And then you're going to start looking into it a little more, and you're like, wow, he's right. There's a lot, something bubbling. And if, if I have any skill 
for real. Uh, it's, it's that I'm a tastemaker and I'm always ahead of the curve by a few years on anything that's going to be like hot. Uh, Tulsa has got next, you know what I mean? Like Tulsa will be the yeah. next like you said, city that has that Nashville, Nashville that next Austin, Texas. Nashville. If you would have told people 20 years ago, Austin, Texas, they're like, what? What are you talking yeah. about? Now, whew, now locals hate it <laughs> because there's too many people. You know what I mean? But it, it, it comes, that's growing pains. It comes when, you know, when you're successful and people want to be there and you can cultivate creativity and, and music and art, it's going to draw a lot of people, you know? So I have high hopes for here. I'm anchored here. I'm planted and I'm, I'm, I'm betting on futures in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's wonderful. Well, you have to leave it all for any music tours or anything? Yeah, I leave. I leave in July at the end of July for for well, not July. To, I leave uh, July, August. I leave in a few months. Right. <laughs> I look it up. I'm like right. busy at this point. I still, still think it's like January, but yeah. I, and again, this is the great thing about you know the work I do. Most of it is on the internet, and then when I have to do actual when we do shows, when we used to put you know a few, few, few runs together, you can fly in and fly right out. That's no that's so nice. That's so nice. Yeah. Uh, I've I've loved having you on. It's been so amazing. Um, yeah, I'm next time I'll let you guys talk. I promise. Uh, we'll no, again, no, I'll let you this guys is talk. so so great because <laughs> this, I we really do want to have you on for for like many reasons. I'll and be a reappearing. Stuff. I'll be a reappearing guest. Absolutely. I'll do you like. You. <laughs> I'll do you like we do in L.A. Enough of, enough about me. Now let you guys talk about me. You know what I mean. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I love that, that you brought up sobriety. Um, you know, I've, I've never had that problem. I've had other, you know, other issues, but that was never an issue. But I, I remember when you started going, going through that. And, um, I know that slain, um, you know, has, yeah, what a, what a, and what a success story. I mean, Slane is now, I think I I don't want to shortchange him. I'm going to say he's four years sober. He might've just hit five, but but I'm my, this last year has been a blur, but what an amazing thing to see that flower bloom, if you will, and see a complete 180 in in a man who was spiritually sick. And, 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 and now he's a, he's a beacon in the community. And I call him, I talked to him today, but with 14, years and in 20 all in the program i I know very little about uh what he knows about sobriety in the four years he's very he's very he's very much uh committed to this thing and 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 it's also a great source of inspiration for me to see what 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 getting sober can do for somebody so when i can't see it in myself i definitely look at people like him and see the change and go wow this thing really makes a difference and so right sometimes great guy to have in my life and yeah, you no, get to tour just, with him, which is nice for yeah, you. Yeah, you know, we, you know? We, 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 haven't, we both haven't met a hamburger we didn't like, so it's a good <laughs> thing. Well, this is great because, you know, you, you found this all came about because you were clean and sober and you did need to spend your time somewhere yes. outside of a bar or a party. And this came Absolutely. about. And um, now you can still, you know, tour. And I know that when you go on tour that you find other locations and you post it for Delta Bravo. We do. Which is yeah, amazing. I was just in Germany and I went back to the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The original filming location for that is in Munich, Germany. And I'll tell you what, that is as close to as like uh, having a time machine than one can imagine. I grew up as a little kid every Thanksgiving watching that. And to be out in front of the gates where, where, where Charlie meets Willy Wonka for the first time, it's been uh, it's mind-blowing to do that. And I encourage anybody who has a 
uh, a love for anything pop culture, get outside and go go look for these spots because, you know, we take it for granted that they'll always be there or we may never even knew that they were there in the first place. And then you, when you realize that they're there, sometimes, unfortunately, they don't last as long as you think they do. You think they'll be there forever and then boom, it's gone. And then so they're gone. I'm trying to see as many as I can before it's all said and done. And that, it, it's very much uh, made me feel a rich man. I, I don't, it's not, it's not a monetary thing. It's a, it's experience thing. And I'm, you know, um, very, if, if I never get paid a dollar for doing any of this stuff, I'm already overpaid. It's been a, it's been quite a life. So. Is there anything that we can pass along for the outsiders? Uh, I don't know if you're continuing. No, I all, you, you, I, we, we're, we'll always be seeking, seeking, uh, you know, uh, assistance. And but it, it just, when you Google the outsiders house museum, all of that good stuff comes up. Uh, okay. If, if anybody okay. wants to find this thing. And then uh, I, I don't know if uh, Delta Bravo, I've been in it a long time. I don't know how many um, outsiders you, outsiders, uh, I didn't mean to say it that way. Um, how many people you, you really don't know or friends of friends are, are a part right. of that? But is that something that you would like to promote? And yeah, we no, we see yeah, all of that stuff. The Delta Bravo Urban Exploration Team. There's a private group, and then there's a, a regular page. We don't really feed the regular page so much because of the algorithms that Facebook puts. That if you don't pay, they don't show. So there's a private group. You can anybody can join it, and you don't have to do any of it just to watch what we do or see the stuff. Hopefully, you get inspired to go uh, to go track down some of the stuff, and uh, if Fantastic. not, watch what we do, and it's all good. It's, it's Listen, great. I appreciate talking to you. My dog is insisting I take him on a walk right now, so I got to get the last one in before I go. That's but uh, let's make it a regular thing. I'm, Thank you so uh, much. I'm, all, I'm always up to yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and being so candid and sharing your passion project with us. Honestly, it's it fantastic to listen to. Have a great Not night. Fantastic. You too. Bye bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. There you go. Bye.